0: Welcome to the premiere episode of In My Own Words. I'm your host, Corey Thames, and today I'm honored and excited to have my friend, my mentor, Executive Vice President of the Obama Foundation, Michael Stratmanis. Mike, thanks for joining today. I do
1: love that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) And I am going to get a clip of that because that's dope. I put Uh, put a lot of work into it. No, that was great. That was great, man. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining. So before we get going, i like to do a lightning round of questions. Okay. um, You give me the first response that comes to your mind. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Big Daddy Kane or KRS-One?
1: Big Daddy Kane.
0: Michael Jackson or Prince?
1: Okay, this is close. <laughs> um, super close.
0: And you got to tell me why, too. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. Super close. It's Michael Jackson. Now I'm a big, big, big Prince fan. I was, I was uh, one of the greatest moments of my life was I was at the halftime show at the Super Bowl when the Bears went to the and he performed Purple Rain in mm-hmm. the rain mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everything else. But you know, um, there is a probably because of my age. There's a recording, a tape recording somewhere which is buried thankfully of me singing abc uh jackson 5 when i was you know i don't know 4 or 5 years old i remember the cartoon tv show um and and it got to the point where you know michael's voice came on the radio if he did a new song yeah. you know it would just it would just change the way i felt mm-hmm. so yeah at the end of the day I'm, I'm i'm michael and and i would also say saint ignatius has seen me in a talent competition doing the um, Billie Jean routine.
0: You know, I was gonna say I needed to reach out to your wife for the ABC, but I think I am probably more interested in seeing the <laughs> Billie Jean routine. Well, this is the this is the <laughs> this is the benefit of,
1: of of going to high school in the eighties, which is that not a lot of that stuff is recorded, <laughs> so that one may be lost to history. Okay, but I could I could bust it out, you know. Next time, you know, next time we're at a party. If it comes on, I'll give you a little taste. I'm not as limber as I used to be, but I'll give you a taste.
0: Uh, I'm going to remember that and yes. I'm going to make sure I have a request. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is your favorite movie of all time?
1: Um uh, man, that's a terrible question. I have a thousand favorite movies. I know you're a big movie. Oh, right, my so. God. <laughs> um, the movie that I could watch anytime it comes on is, um, I mean, there are a million of them, but I'd say Casablanca. Casablanca mm. is the movie that I love. It's the most favorite. It's my favorite movie of all time.
0: Minus Harlem Nights, <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie.
1: <laughs> what is uh, What's the last book you read? Ah, the last book I read was a. Um, it was a book about opera, mm. and it was called uh, "It's called um, Puccini Without Excuses" or something like that. And I was watching um, uh, Madam Butterfly.
2: Okay.
1: No. Turandot. I was watching Turandot, which is a Puccini opera. And I wanted to, you know, understand it a little bit better. So uh, so I, 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 I watched that. Um, the last fiction book that I read, it was called, oh, A Man in Moscow or A Room in Moscow or something like that. It was about a gentleman who was under house arrest during the uh, Russian Revolution mm-hmm. in Moscow. And it's just a it's just a beautiful book. Gosh, I gotta know the. I gotta figure out the
0: name of that book. It's awesome. Let me know when you do. I will. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing lightning. Keep going, lightning. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite vacation spot?
1: My favorite vacation spot is Paris. Um, I uh, that's, that's yeah. A, that's a great vacation spot. Paris, France. <laughs> yeah, that works.
0: And then, who's a leader that you look up to, and why?
1: Hmm. Okay, this is gonna sound. Uh, you know, pretty on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I look up to Barack Obama. Um, you know, I've, I know him well, mm-hmm. and I have a relationship with him. Obviously, I, you know, I think that he um, he knows himself mm-hmm. really well, and I think when um, and he knows himself well because he's uh, done a lot of introspection. He's asked himself a lot of questions about you know, uh, and he's he's tested himself in a lot of different arenas, yeah. even before he um, ran for president, and so because of that, he often puts himself in a position where he um, can play to his strengths, mm-hmm. and he often surrounds himself uh, with people or puts him or make sure he's not in situations where he is um, where his weaknesses are exposed, um, and and he can't be successful, and uh, and I think he always can put himself in a position to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, as well and challenge himself as well. So I, I, I admire that about
0: him. Okay. I, I wasn't surprised that you said, that <laughs> I that you said President Obama. I know, I was like, let me come up with something else, but <laughs> it is what it is. Last question is, yeah. what's a mantra that you live by and why?
1: Uh, um, be here now.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Um, something that my wife uh, um, has picked up on and, and it's something that, she, that we both um latched on to and, and you know be here now. Um, you know, I, I think it's very easy to spend a lot of time um thinking about the past, mistakes that you've made is mm-hmm. mostly when I spend uh time in the past on mm-hmm. <laughs> um or having anxiety or worry about the future. Yeah. And um and and often, well, the present moment is all that we really have. You know, the rest is is in our imagination. Um, and, and I think a, an attempt to control things so that we don't experience um, loss, fear, um, pain, mm-hmm. right? Everything that anybody wants to avoid. We spend time rehashing the past um, to, you know, f- worry about what happened and then thinking about planning for the future to make sure it doesn't happen. And all throughout that time, you're missing the moment that one you're in, you could be sleeping, yeah. <laughs> looking at the sun, playing with your child, mm-hmm. you know, doing what it is that you're doing, experiencing the life uh, as it exists, and, and so be here now, yeah.
0: I saw a video on Instagram recently that um, talked about the fact that we are so, as a people, so focused on getting to that end point that you miss you miss that dash in between, yeah, and you you don't get a chance to be present in the moment, and you end up passing up a lot of the beauty of the the journey because you're so focused on ten you know ten steps fifteen steps ahead, so yeah. I love that
1: yeah I, as I get older um and I actually you know if if i have the if the if it is my path to live um until I'm a you know sort of senior citizen. <laughs> I'm kind of close. I I'm a member of AAR, <laughs> a, AARP now. Um or I could be. Um I I find that I think um life is slowing down mm-hmm. in many ways. The days are um are, are are becoming longer. Um and uh and I think that it is because the ambition that I used to have mm-hmm. the the desperation. Yeah, I'd say I'm still ambitious, but I'm not as desperate as I used to be mm-hmm. to get out of whatever circumstance that I'm in to get to the next place. I, it it I'm able to um I'm able to enjoy the 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 moment, enjoy the journey most. And I and I and I think that um you know one of the things that I want to avoid is getting. Yeah, you know, just are we still in lightning round yeah uh, but, 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 all right because yeah, i'm like <laughs> <laughs> jacking up your lightning round but you know what you used to work for me so i'm gonna do what i want to do anyway <laughs> that's the nature of our relationship <laughs> so straight up about it you know i went to uh so i went to the college football championship earlier mm. this week uh earlier last week which was which was really cool yeah um, but I was just talking to my wife. My wife and I have this date night. Friday night is our time together. Um, no matter what happens, we do something. And I was we were talking about the week, and I was rem- I was remarking upon the fact that, you know, I flew to Los Angeles at a meeting, um, the mayor, which was fun and interesting. The night uh, that night, got up the next day. Had me. It was on a Monday, right? So I had, I had meetings starting at like six a.m. Chicago, uh, L.A. time. And then it was time to go to the game. And then I like, you know, went to a a bar afterwards with, with, with my boy. And then the next morning, uh, I was on a flight back to Chicago. And, um, in doing all of that, I I think I missed it. I think I'd miss the, the, the moments in Mm -hmm. between because I was so focused on, you know, the activity. That I wasn't able to take in. And I think that's a that, that could be a way to live a life. Yeah. That I wanna make sure I avoid. Um, because I'm ambitious. I want to do things, I I fill my plate with a lot to do. Uh, and I wanna take the time to appreciate each moment.
0: I love that. Thank you for, for participating in our waiting around. Yeah, of course. not not so lightning, but you know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> that's what the kids say. So um, one of the big things that I think um, I really focus on is upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. It shapes who we are, who we become, Mm -hmm. how we view the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk a lot about the fact that you were born on the South side Mm -hmm. and then moved with your mom to the North side. Mm -hmm. And um, for a lot of people that's like almost like the tale of two cities, right? Mm -hmm. Two very different communities Mm -hmm. grappling with their own sets of individual issues. but very different nonetheless. Talk to me about like childhood and how um, that transition, how you kind of managed that, um, and how important was like finding community as you were, you know, starting to come up and really take shape into yeah. who you wanted to be.
1: You know, so I, I moved from the South Side when I was pretty young, um, but we would go back often. Mm-hmm um, to visit, you know, to be dropped off (laughs) in the summer, (laughs) long weekends. And so I would spend, you know, days and weeks and months, you know, in the, in the uptown neighborhood, which was a very mixed neighborhood. It's a lot of immigrants, Mm -hmm. um, of all different kinds, um, there and then would spend days, you know, in the south side and sometimes entire summers, you know, on the south side around 77th, uh, 77th and Eberhart mm-hmm. you know, over near Chatham. And I, I think what um, ended up happening for me is, um, you know, I, I would try to find ways to fit in, right? You'd, you'd be playing with a group of kids who, you know, just playing football on the street in Uptown, right? And, you know, the, the, the music uh, that people would listen to and the things that people would think were funny and, you know, the way kids would talk uh, both at school and outside of school. And, you know, when I would come to the south side of Chicago, that would be things that people would, you know, make fun of me about. Yeah. I, you know, you don't know this, you don't know that. You talk funny, yeah. you know, what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And, you know, when you're young, you're just desperate to fit in, yeah. right? Um, and not be ostracized and, and want to hang and be a part of the crew. And so, you know, and people react to that in different ways. For me, I became a, um, a very intense student of how people talked. Mm-hmm. and ex- like you know I became a um for a while I was a, like a big class clown in high school um in college uh, I try to hold it but I can't do it as much as I want to now cuz I'm kind of in charge and I can't you can't be a class clown you're executive vice president or the, whatever it is you said at the beginning um but still in my head um and so I do impressions i in fact one of the uh great uh moments of my college life is um uh, our teacher for one class, our statistics class was absent mm-hmm. and I stood up and basically did the class for about 15 minutes and an impersonation of the teacher. <laughs> but you know, I, <laughs> I learned all that so that I could seamlessly fit in mm-hmm. um, wherever I was. And I think the, the challenge that I have faced the growth path for me throughout my entire life is for me to start to figure out, um, and remember and learn who I am in all of that um, because I, I got very good at it um, and so you know was one of those people that folk you know like to be around like to help and make people feel good yeah. you know all of that but then I was lost in it and uh, and so yeah and, and finding that and, but it was all in the in the service of finding community so I'm glad you used that word.
0: I love that so let's Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, You went to U of I for undergrad and then law school. And a lot of people know you from your time in the Obama administration, Mm -hmm. but a lot of folks don't know that you practiced um, for a few years before transitioning into the government political realm. Um, Did you always know that you wanted to be an attorney? and then talk to, talk a little bit about the transition. I know Mrs. Obama speaks very freely about not feeling fulfilled um, yes. in big law and um wanted to feel like she was giving back to to her community so she ended up going into government and we see how her career like took off. So um talk to me about your your legal career and yeah. ultimately what made you decide to transition.
1: Well, part of it was Mrs. Obama. You know, she had um I'd met her as a uh, college student. Mm-hmm. Uh, a law student and no college student in between college and law um, and uh, she had become a mentor. And so uh, I I'd watched her leave the practice of law and find other things to do. So I was inspired by that. I, I, um, my house was a, a, a house that was very attuned to the civil rights movement. My mother was a teacher. The first thing that I remember doing, my first political act was being out with her um, when she was on strike. Um, so you, you got started early. and so yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and and you know they worked my parents my father um who had, who adopted me when they got married they got divorced later but um that's how i got this uh uh funny last name <laughs> um was also they both taught at Jenner school which was at Cabrini mm-hmm. and so and they were there because they were compelled to be there and to make a difference and so um, I grew up in a house that was very attuned to um, the community and community issues, making the world a better place. I was kind of one of the few kids in high school who was into the uh, uh, election of Harold Washington. I remember having a button, Harold Washington <laughs> button, and I was really into it. But at the time I was a theater major. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a theater kid at high school and I was a theater major in college. But while I was in high school, um, some um, prosecutors came in and they did a street law class. And so I took this street law class, uh, which was designed to kind of teach kids about, you know, um, their rights, uh, the responsibilities, you know, how to how to manage and work with the police, you know, all of that. But they did a mock trial. And uh, and so I did the mock trial and I was like hooked. (laughs) Uh, I was it just you know, it was intellectually challenging. I was up on my feet. I was uh, you know, I got to run my mouth. (laughs) which i always enjoyed um so it was in the back of my mind uh that i could be successful as a lawyer and as i went through undergrad and kind of tried and failed different things um i thought you know maybe that would be the thing to do that would be successful and and so um i decided you know to go to law school and once i got to law school um uh, it was the first time i'd ever been successful in school In the way that um, uh, I had expected of myself and others expected of me, I I was always labeled with this potential tag. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I had, um, I was one of those kids who was fortunate to do really well in standardized tests, which made up for a very, I was like a B minus C student, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't all C's. (laughs) It was A, B, C, D, and and, and F, which averaged out. Yeah. 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 So so it was like, if you get an A plus in this class, how are you getting a, f in that class Mm -hmm. and the true answer was that class is boring (laughs) and the teacher is stupid um anyway i i uh uh, and so when i went to law school i started to it started all kind of come together for me Mm -hmm. i started to learn you know how um how i thought i could be a part of making the world a better place yeah and i was succeeding which is always a good thing so um i went to i did so well and at back then it was only one or two black students that were going to get the opportunities to uh, work at you know big law, big fancy law firms Mm -hmm. unfortunately that was the way things were back then and so uh, because i did well i was one of those students so i i got a job at a um at a big law firm in the city um i remember i made sixty eight thousand dollars a year I remember that because um, I didn't even know you could spend $68,000 a year, <laughs> I'm serious. I thought that was, that was, that was like, you might as well told me I was a millionaire uh-huh. um, until I got that salary and <laughs> 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 my wife and our one child, and <laughs> we tried to like, live off actually, of that, right, yeah. Kind of stretch as far as I thought. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I think the, the thing that I found um, and it was an important lesson to learn Mm -hmm. was that at that point I was doing that job kind of for status. Yeah. Right. And, and kind of this, this sense that, well, if you have the opportunity to do that, then that's what you should do. Mm -hmm. Right. Big firm, lots of money, at least, you know, at the time, yeah. Uh, everybody was impressed, you know, all of that. And I, I was like, putting on somebody else's clothes every day mm-hmm. when I went to do that work. Um, you know, I didn't really care about, you know, I think one of our um, cases was we were representing um, a gun manufacturer that was getting sued for uh, whatever. And, uh, and I went out to uh, a plant in upstate New York mm-hmm. to look at old documents in order to prepare for the lawsuit. And I mean, it was one of the worst moments of my life.
2: I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Uh,
1: I was on the defense side of um, race and age and gender discrimination cases, defending uh, clients uh, on that. And it was, you know, it was the opposite of everything I had been taught and the opposite of everything I believed in. And I was miserable. So, um, and everybody knew it. Uh, I didn't realize it, but everybody knew it. And so, um, my partner, the partner who I work for, finally came to me and said, "Hey, you seem to be really interested in politics, because I was." Yeah. And um, he knew someone who had worked in the Judiciary Committee um, in the Senate, and he said, "You know, there are jobs in politics and in government that are legal jobs that you might be more (laughs) might be happier at." um and uh, and that it was really stage advice though it was yeah. it was it was a guy's name is Paul Cherner okay and he's a sweetheart and uh in many ways you know he, I hold him responsible for putting me <laughs> on a different path um and it was his kindness and generosity of spirit that allowed me to do that so yeah
0: so by so you you go into government yeah and by the early 2000s you have held you were a legislative director for a former congressman. Mm-hmm. You were chief counsel for the U.S. Senate. Um, you, you've I was a lobbyist. You were a lobbyist? Yeah. You, you navigated spaces that um, oftentimes don't look like um, you and I,
2: mm. you
0: know, and sat at tables with folks that I'm sure didn't look like you, you or I. Mm-hmm. Did you ever experience kind of that imposter syndrome <laughs> You're sitting in these rooms with senators and congressmen and, you know, doing all of, navigating your career. Like, how did you, as a young black kid from Chicago, navigate those spaces?
1: You know, I'm gonna tell you something that I haven't said before, and uh, it makes me sad to say this out loud. I was an imposter, and I had been one almost my whole life.
2: Well,
0: you got to unpack that.
1: I learned how to be and to sit with you. You know, my mother, who, um, you know, I believe now, suffered from uh, depression, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to become what she needed me to be that morning um, if we were going to get through the day. Yeah um if i you know walked outside and was with a bunch of you know redneck white kids who wanted to you know very easily could have turned and whooped my ass uh but (laughs) considering where we were right i had to be in a situation where that was cool and had to be cool with them Mm -hmm. if i then was dropped on the south side because then i walked outside with a bunch of other cats who, you know, very easily, if I said the wrong thing, was in the wrong space would with my butt. Mm -hmm. I had to be what they had to fit in and be chill and be cool with them. Um, And that just went on and on and on. And so um, what I started to do was just kind of learn how to fake it and, and, and watch and learn and be in the situation that I was in. And so I got quite used to feeling like I didn't belong and still succeeding. Mm. And, uh, and it wasn't until uh, I got into the White House where that stopped working for me because being an imposter in that way does not allow one or did not allow me to drive an agenda. Yeah. Right, to, to doing what everybody wants you to do means that you aren't you aren't able to pull anything forward yourself and at the point where i was in the white house working for my friend and my mentor and the first black president and the guy yep. who's from chicago and you know all of that i i and and we were in crisis the economy was falling down around our ears and he was, was so- going to
0: say how do you lean into it because now you're you're at the you're in, in the administration that has the world stage yes. at your fingertips of that is an enormous amount of pressure. And he was relying on me. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, if you think about um, uh, Barack Obama at the time, we did not have a national political operation or a policy operation. Right. Mm-hmm. He hadn't, you know, Bill Clinton, as a as a as an example, had been, you know, governor had been you know had all these roles and so he was able to for 20 years he had been in national politics right he had all these people who could come in who was part of his team you know we weren't so 98 percent of the people in the white house met barack obama the day they started working for him Mm -hmm. and the other one percent met him maybe during the campaign or after his uh speech at the democratic convention and so there were very few people who knew him as well as i did yeah and so um you talked to this word earlier. I actually, through um some help of a, an executive coach, came up with a mantra that I would use to settle my heart down, settle my head down. Cause I was um so the way it came up was we had a morning meeting and um Rahm Emanuels, who you work with, is president's chief of staff, right? Mm-hmm. He's running that meeting. He is in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. At eight at seven forty five in the morning, right? <laughs> in your grill. What is going on? And you're and you and they go around the table to report on what's happening. And it's, you know, David Axelrod and the National Security Advisor is literally the former supreme commander of the Allied Forces of NATO, right?
0: No no pressure. Valerie
1: Jarrett, <laughs> Right? Susan Rice. I mean, just ballers. Yeah. And then it comes to me. And I, I'm telling you. I was failing. I was like, so in my head, like, man, anything you are about to say is stupid. Then somebody would say something I was going to say, I was like, oh man, I can't say that. I'm a- <laughs> and I would just kind of make some lame jokes sometimes, or, yeah. you know? Right. And so, uh, I, it, it, and I was talking to this guy who was coaching me and he said, why are you there? And, I, and I, I came up with this mantra I would say to myself three times before I walked in that room and I'd say, I am here to represent and speak for the people who can't speak for themselves and can't be in this room. I love that. And I would say that three times and I would just, and I would center myself and then I'd be able to participate and that changed my whole experience. Um, and, I, and I do that all the time now uh, in one small way or another.
0: So you still, you still do I that? Do.
1: I do, I, I don't say a mantra mm-hmm. anymore. But I do remind myself why I'm here. Every time I'm about to do public speaking or go into a tough meeting, I actually ask myself, why are you here? What are you here to do? And then I get real focused um, and centered around it.
0: You know, it's so interesting that you still um, have those notes to be able to center yourself because you have a lot of people that look at you and automatically assume that You know, you got it. You can just walk into a room and immediately command and you don't have any fear. And, you know, I've been asked myself, like, how are you not afraid? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I I actually am nervous, you know, going into some of these spaces and still battle to some to some degree um, a sense of imposter syndrome Uh right, where you have to, like, talk yourself down to be like. I deserve to be at this space. Mm-hmm. I, d- I deserve to sit at this table. My voice matters. I'm speaking for other folks. Um, and if I don't lean into that responsibility, then I'm doing not only myself a disservice, but my community a disservice, right. so.
1: Right, yeah, I, I, um, a pastor of mine um, that I, uh, I went to um, his church, he's really the one that um, changed my relationship Christ and my religion from something that was performative to something mm-hmm. that was more real, mm-hmm. and um, and he told me that um, that to compare myself to others was really not only foolish but it was almost sinful. Yeah, and uh, and I do it all the time anyway, um, but I but I I do try to remember that um, that I'm on my own journey. And uh, and that everything that I'm thinking, because when I have when I feel uncomfortable in different situations, it's usually because I'm comparing myself to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I think the the thing that I really try to remember is that every time I do that, I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm wildly guessing <laughs> what that person is thinking, what that person's going through, and it's it's really a waste of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what I can do in those moments is try to, um, try to reflect yeah. God's light. Try to try to, if I'm, if you and I are both made in the image of God, then I have the opportunity to share some of who the divine is with you and in our interaction. And I have the opportunity to learn and take some of what the divine is in you. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a, that makes things that were a, a moments of fear and turns them really into moments of joy and i do that sometimes in the most tense um aggressive situations yeah um and it allows me to participate in those situations um and just be present in them um uh which sometimes can help you you know know when it's time to leave cuz yeah. somebody's about to <laughs> right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or engage uh and and take the situation down a notch which is something you're very good at by the way you're very good at diffusing
0: thank <laughs> tense situations it's a, it's, a, it's
1: something that you're at, you're good at you're better at that than me and i admire you because of it
0: thank you um two final questions yes um first you've held all of these roles right you've been in the obama administration you've um Uh, been in leadership with the Walt Disney company. You're back at the Obama foundation Mm -hmm. um, working to bring the Obama presidential center to the South side of Chicago. What does success look like for you Mm. at this juncture of your life and career?
1: You know, it is really, I know people say this all the time. I probably would have said the following sentence 10 years ago and not mean it the same way I mean it today. Um, It really is about service. Mm -hmm. And I have found that, um, in making sure that my employees and my team have the resources and the support that they need to thrive. That my colleagues have the benefit of my perspective and experience in the decisions that we have to make. That the people I come across get the idea and the experience that I'm bringing some of, you know, the Obama magic Mm -hmm. into their life, right? (laughs) That I'm helping create this, um incredible you know edifice experience is really what it's going to be you know on the south side of chicago um then first of all my days are amazing it's actually my job so i'll get i'll i'll have the resources and 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 i'll be able to keep my job (laughs) and i found that people then want me to do other things yeah so you know, hey man, could you you know serve on this board? Hey man, can you you know, we want to do this cool thing with me, or or I have a, a opportunity that I see that I want to get done, and and I and I want to work with people to do it, and people are like, I'd love to do that with you, yeah, you know, and so um, it it is it has become uh, the touchstone for success to me is to is to every day kind of um, engage in each moment mm-hmm. that I have in that way. You know, I think the uh, the ambition that I have moving forward is I want to slow down at some point. Yeah. You know, I could see myself teaching someday, which would I be fun. Actually, you,
0: you would be a phenomenal. Teacher, I appreciate by the way. that. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that, man, and record
1: that. So when I make my put my application, <laughs> you know, um, and 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 so yeah, that's that's really where I'm going. Okay. Uh, And that's how I define success on a day-to-day basis.
0: Okay. Last question is, who is Michael Stratmanis, in your own words?
1: Mm. I'm a father. Uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a a child of God. And I am someone who has been on a... (laughs) so remarkable journey and have seen things that um, I never imagined that I would see, Mm -hmm. which means that I'm going to see things that I could not imagine I will see, Um, which is an incredible privilege. I also, at the end of the day, still wish that I was playing second base for the Chicago Cubs, <laughs> I do.
0: <laughs> Great life,
1: but man, I wanted to. I wanted to be a baseball player <laughs> so bad.
0: <laughs> well, I want to. B- before we wrap, I want to. I'm big on giving folks their flowers, and I want to say that I appreciate you for um, the role that you've played in my life. Um, you've been a mentor. You've been a friend. You've been somebody that I can call on and ask for advice and. You know, tell me tell me when I'm wrong, tell me when I'm right. So I want to say that I really appreciate you and your friendship and your brotherhood. And I'm excited for the Obama Presidential Center. I hope to be one of the f- first folks in line. Um, that That's going to be phenomenal for the South Side.
1: Well, it wouldn't happen without you. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, I love you very much. I'm glad we had a chance to do this.
2: Thank you for joining today.